0: He is unshakable and unfailing. Lord, we rest in that today. And I praise you and I worship you for that hope today, Father. Because without it, I cannot survive a day that goes by without knowing that you are my hope. And you're not going anywhere. You're sticking with me no matter what. And I praise you for that today, Lord. So we worship you and we ask, Father, today that you have your way in this place. That you speak to hearts as only you can. You're a good Father who wants best for us, Lord. And all of us are here by divine plan this morning, Lord. You knew who would be in this this sanctuary. You knew what they needed to hear. So help us all lean in. Help us to listen intently, Lord, because you have a word for every one of us today. So we're here with open hearts, open minds, and open hands, Lord, to receive from you that what it is you want to pour into our lives today. So that when we leave this place... We are better because we've been in your presence. So thank you, God. We give you this time. We surrender ourselves to you. We, we, send our, we surrender our minds so they will not be distracted. And our hearts, that they would be open, Father, and that you would speak to us today as only you can. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' precious and mighty name, we ask and pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rusty. Hey, before we, uh, before we get going, man, I just, I just sense the presence of the Lord here today. Um, man, maybe it's just because I'm in a good place. I know some of y'all didn't think I would be in a good place today, but I'm in a good place today. I, I wanted to start today by just uh, saying thank you to many of you guys. Many of you guys have been praying for Dwayne. Over the last week, I, I I go away once a year, um, and just get by myself with the Lord uh, for a few days away from here, and uh, just ask God to speak to us about what's coming up next year. And uh, it was it was interesting this past this past week. I was in uh, Cleveland, Georgia. Anybody been in Cleveland, Georgia? It's an awesome place, and I, I had a uh, the place I was staying uh, it was. Just almost right in Cleveland and I have a friend that pastors there and I said listen the place I'm staying doesn't have a lot of internet access it's really not conducive to work so uh, tell me where I can go and he told me about this place between Cleveland and Helen called the Jumping Goats Coffee Roasters you probably never heard of that but I went there and here's what it looked like this was my desk for about three days yeah Listen, I'm just going to tell you, if you can't get inspired there, then quit, because that's just, uh, so that was my, literally, that was my desk for for a good part of last week, and I was just asking the Lord to speak to my heart, and on the first day that I was there, here's how I knew I was in the right place, and God had ordained this week for me. You know, I'm I'm not one about signs and symbols and all that stuff, but I sat down, literally took that picture, looked to my left, and here's what I saw. I was like, okay, I hear you. So I just wanted to say thank you guys for praying. It was probably the best, uh, I used to call it sabbatical, but it's not really sabbatical because you're working the whole time you're there. But it was, a, it was the best time I've had uh, in, in a very, very, very long time. I'm really, really excited about next year. I, I believe God's going to do great things at LifePoint, and I'm glad you're a part of it. So let's, let's kick off week four with 40 Days of Worship. I'm so thrilled about this series, and here's what I need you to know. The the tipping point of everything we've talked about and everything we're going to talk about is today. This is the tipping point of 40 days of worship. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to read together our series text. It's in your bulletin. It'll be on the screen behind me or if you want to look at it in your Bibles. It's Psalms 95 verses 6 and 7. And I want us to read it out loud together with conviction. Are you ready? It says, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. If only you would listen to his voice today. Turn to somebody and say, you better listen today. So week one, we kind of answer the question, what is worship? When we use words like submission and surrender, conviction, and adoration, Week two, Trent talks to you about the why we worship. And he showed you that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever might believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. And if that, my friends, is not a reason to worship, I, don't, I can't help you this morning. And then last week we talked about corporate worship, worshiping in community. We said that we're better together. And I believe that, y'all. I believe that God never intended anyone to travel this journey on their own, all by themselves in isolation. I believe that we are better together. We said the church needs you, and you need the church. So now week four, we're talking about worship, private worship. Worship, if you're taking notes, if you want to write this down, worship in intimacy. Intimacy. And, and these are the, this is the part of our Christian journey that we often call spiritual disciplines. And I guess that's okay. But I have a question for you. What is the relationship, the earthly relationship. That is most often repaired to our rela- compared to our relationship with Christ. The earthly relationship that is most often compared to our relationship with Christ. What is it? Your marriage. There are no marital disciplines are there. I'm just wondering how my wife would feel if I said, I'm trying to discipline myself to be intimate with you. I'm going to say that's probably not going to be a positive conversation. I wonder if you told your wife that you had made a New Year's resolution to talk to her every day. How's that going to work for you? Probably not, not so good. What if you needed an app on your iPhone to remind you to read your wife's text messages? <sighs> yeah. You wouldn't have to worry about the intimate part. I know I could tell you that right, right now. See, if all those things were true, you'd probably say that there was a problem in the relationship. So what I want to talk to you today about is how do we have that kind of intimate walk with Christ? And, and, and listen, uh, some of you are going to push back on this because you're going to say, Dwayne, you're, you're asking for too much. It, that's, that's too big of a part of my life. That's too big of a commitment. That's... That's too radical of, of a religion. And I, I, before you do that, before you push back, we, you just do this with me today? Just, just give me the next 35 minutes and lean in. Because with everything in me, I believe that if, if, if this isn't already a part of your life, if you'll make it part of your life, it'll change your life. There's this passage in the New Testament that appears twice. I'm gonna read it from Mark chapter 6, verse 31. And I love this passage and and it just speaks volumes to me. It's a very simple passage, and you if you're reading it along in your Bible, you might just you, you might just read past it. It's it's one of those those passages that you might just glance over as you're getting to what you might think were, were more important parts. You see, Jesus had these disciples that were following around. And, and they were busy. I mean, if you were hanging out with somebody that was raising the dead and feeding five thousand and healing people, they might draw a crowd. And there was. And they were busy, handling the crowd, cleaning up fish sandwich scraps. They were busy. And Jesus said these words to his disciples in Matthew, excuse me, Mark chapter six verse thirty-one. Jesus said, "Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while." He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. My question for you is, have you felt that way recently? Where I just don't have time to be all I need to be and to do all I need to do. I just, there's just not enough. It's just too chaotic. And if, if that's you today, I want you to hear your Savior call. With these words, come away with me. Let's go along to a quiet place and rest. I, I want you to hear that individually. I want you to I want I want you to hear Donna come away with me to a quiet place and rest a while. I want you to hear your Savior say those words. Come away with me to a quiet place by ourselves and let's rest a while. And here's why that's so important, y'all. Because if, if your worship only consists of what happens in this building, if your worship only consists on what you do for God, if the totality of your corporate worship is it's just not how it's supposed to be, it's not just supposed to be this. This is great and we need this. We talked about that Last week. We need this. This is important. But there's so much more. To your walk with Christ. Than just coming to church. And doing your church thing. And checking it off the list. And moving on with the rest of your life. There's so much more. Do you know why? Because intimate relationships. Are nourished in private. See. The, re- the relationship you have with your spouse, those, the intimate connection that you have, didn't happen in a group. It happened in private. Your best friend, the relationship that you have with him or her, probably didn't happen with 30 other people around. It probably happened over a, a, a dinner table or a coffee table. It probably happened just in private. And the same is true in our relationship with Christ. If we're going to have an intimate relationship with him, it'll begin in a corporate environment, but it'll get nourished in a private environment. Just you and him come along by yourself, away with me to a quiet place. Close relationships aren't built in a crowd. Not real ones anyway. But that's what we do. You know what I've learned about my wife? See, here's, here's what I know to be true. is I, I have relationships with other women besides my wife. Right? I, I have friends and I have family and I have church members that are female. I have daughters-in-law and I have the most beautiful granddaughter that has ever been created. But I heard you. But what? I have one wife. One wife. And listen, I know her well, and she's not jealous, but i tell you what she doesn't want. She doesn't want to be bundled in with the, with the rest of the crowd. She wants to be set apart. She doesn't want to be a relationship. She wants to be the relationship. And can I tell you, that's, That's what Jesus wants from you today. He doesn't want to be, you write this down, he doesn't want to be a thing. He wants to be everything. He doesn't want to be a part of your life. He does not want to be something on your checklist, on your to-do list. He does not want to be something on your trophy case. He wants to be everything. And that kind of relationship doesn't happen In a crowd, it happens in private. Christ wants to be the filter by which you see the rest of your world. See, Christ wants to be the filter that I relate to my wife through and that I relate to my children through. And he wants to be the filter that I relate to my job through and to my church through. He wants to be the filter. He doesn't want to be a thing. He wants to be everything. This passage in Colossians chapter 1, I I want you to read along with me, and I want you to count the all things with me. Will you do that? It'll be on the screen behind me. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him. And for him he is before all things, and in him all things are held together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent, that word preeminent means supreme. He doesn't want to be second. He doesn't want to be something. He wants to be. Everything. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Man, that, that sounds really the- theological. I want you to grasp that. In him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Everything that God is was in Christ because Christ was God on foot. And that's who lives in your heart. And through him, he, to reconcile all things, whether on earth or heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. He created all things, and all things were created for him, and he reconciled all things to himself. He will not be content being a something. See, if you read that passage carefully, it seems to say that when he is before all things, He holds all things together. So I wonder if you, like I, have ever said, I just wonder why things are falling apart. Maybe because he's not before all things. And when he's before all things, guess what? He holds all things together. We say this this verse a lot around here. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things. Christ doesn't want to be a thing. He wants to be everything. He wants to be that filter that you view every part of your life through. And here's what you're thinking. What about those things in my life that I can't look at through the filter of Christ? What about those places I've been that I can't go through the filter of Christ? Those things I say, those actions I display, those attitudes, what if I can't look at them through, then they have to go. If he's going to be everything, anything that's not of him has to go. And we don't like to talk about that a lot because people say that that's uncomfortable when you get in people's business. I'm going to tell you that there's something in your life that that, that, that you can't look at Christ through. You're killing yourself by hanging on to it. We used to have a word for that. What was it? Sin. See, so when we hang on to that stuff, you know what we're saying? And maybe you, you think it's just temporary. Okay, I, 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 want you to be, I want you to be before all things, God, but for just a little while, I'm going to put you back on this shelf because i got this thing that i got to do. It's not how this works. It's not how any of this works. And I what I see is a God that wants to be supreme in every part of your life and in mine. And that's when it works. I and and see when I first heard that as a teenager, I thought, well, he must be a mean God. Doesn't want me to have any fun want me to do this, don't want me to, no, that's not it at all. He's a loving God. He's a loving Father that wants to point me in the right direction and keep me away from this stuff that's going to kill me. Mm. So this is how this works in the context of worship. So we believe that when Christ is, and Donna talked about it in week one, that, that that what worship really was is when we tell god what he's worth and when we put him before all things what we're telling him is that god you're worth more than anything else that i have you're worth more than my money you're worth more than my career it doesn't mean god's gonna make you quit your job It just means you got to put things in the right place But see there's going to come some stuff that he's going to want you to let go of there's going to come an attitude, there's going to come an action, there's going to come an addiction that he wants out of your life because he loves you. And if you can't look at it through the filter of Christ, see, worship really takes place when Christ becomes the center of our everything. I'm going to give you three things. Worship, becomes, worship takes, takes place when Christ becomes the center of our activity. If, if I have an activity that Christ can't be the center of, I probably don't need to be participating in said activity. That sounded a little condescending the way I said that, didn't it? You understand what I'm saying? If, if there's, if there's something that I'm doing that Christ can't be the center of, then I probably shouldn't be doing it. And, and I don't, I don't mean this to be a legalistic sermon. I'm telling you that if if we really want to develop this intimate kind of relationship where we come away with Him and rest and and He holds all things together, then there's going to be those activities that He may want gone. And and oh by the way, this here's how it works: all of the stuff in my life, man, I I ought to be able to place. In, And I had this idea that, well, if if I sell out to Jesus, that means, you know, I probably don't need to do anything fun. I can't play golf. I can't watch Bulldogs football, which I'm not watching that anymore anyway. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. And I'm learning that that's not the case at all. But what Christ wants to do is he wants to be the filter by which I do all of those things. Watching the game yesterday. And uh, I I, I had a hat on. Uh, And when when the game started, it was snug. And by the end of the game, it was three sizes bigger. It's probably not how I should have been behaving. So he needs to be the center of our activity. He needs to be the center of our activity. He needs to be the center of our attraction. In other words, if there's things... I'm more attracted to than Jesus. Uh, this is how that might work. I'm married to Donna, but what if I'd rather look at somebody else? Yeah. I'm gonna tell you how that would work. It, if if I'm really completely committed to my wife, then all of my attraction. Needs to go in that direction, and let me you know the enemy would love to do, love it to go another direction, right? So th- is that an, is that an intentional action? Of course it is. And, and the same is true with my attraction to Christ. There there are all sorts of things in this world that call to us, aren't there? And 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 the things that attract you may not attract me, and the things that attract me may not attract you. But I'm going to tell you that. I must be intentional about making Christ the center of my attraction. Yeah. Yeah. And that if there are things that are creeping in my, into my life that I find more attractive than Christ, that a, that's a red flag that there's some things creeping into my life that don't belong. Yeah. Do I, am I attracted to my wife? Absolutely. My children, my, my church, all of those things I'm wonderfully attracted to, but they must go through the filter of my relationship with Jesus. And oh, by the way, it just works. I, I, I don't, I don't know how to explain it other than that it just works. When you you put things where they belong, it just, it just works. He's the center of my attraction. He's the center of my activi- activity, and he must be the center of my attention. Hmm. Well, Dwayne, that that asks. A lot of us does it because I'm gonna tell you and I don't mean to be I don't mean to do this to sound critical but I'm gonna tell you how much of especially North American Christians live their life we come to church twice a month and that's it that's the extent of our worship that's the extent of of our devotion to God and I'm gonna tell you that it doesn't work like that and you wonder why things are falling apart. You wonder why things aren't, aren't working like they're supposed to. That's why. And that sounds so simplistic. But it just happens to be the truth. I, I'm of the opinion that are, and you can write this down, that my worship in public should be an extension of my worship in private. Can we just all get honest with you? With each other? How many of you ever come to church and went. Ain't feeling it today. You're afraid to answer. But everybody in the room has felt that before. I'm just not feeling it today. And you know. We, and we do what we do. We go through the motions. And we sing the song. And we you know pretend to pay attention to the sermon. And we shake hands. And we go about. Our, I just didn't feel it today. I, I, I get it. It's. It's a big deal when, when you're sitting out there. It's a really big deal when you're up here. <laughs> but you know what I've learned in my own life? I, and you can do with this what you want to. If I'm connected to Christ on other days, then when I get here, my worship takes on a completely different dynamic. See, it's easy to come here and say, well, I didn't like the song they sang. Well, guess what? You know, get your iPhone tomorrow morning by yourself and play whatever you want. I believe that when we worship God in private, when he's a part of our lives, and I'm going to give you some practical ways about that in just a minute. Uh, When we worship God in private, that when we gather together corporately, the dynamic changes. You, you walk in the room and you're, you're ready to connect to God with people who, who are worshiping God with you. It's, a, it, it's an extension of what happens in, in private. And it's beautiful. So, can, can I just bust your chops a little bit? If you're ever in church, this one or any other one, and you're like, I'm just not feeling it today just rewind your week and and ask yourself how much time you spent with God before you got there on Sunday morning. That wasn't fair, was it? It it matters, y'all. It matters. The the time that we spend with God in private affects how we worship God corporately. In fact, I'm going to say it like this, and, and I hope this makes sense. Last week we talked about community worship. You don't have a blank for this, but you ought to write this down. In community worship, we are the body of Christ, right? In intimate private worship, we are the bride of Christ. So, I'm going to give you a few things one, two, three, four, five things. And and these are, by the way, not earth-shattering, brand-new, revelatory things that you're going to do to foster this intimate relationship with Christ. Uh, But I'm I'm just going to tell you, they're big big things. The first one, I bet you could guess by yourself. The first one is prayer. I've just finished a class on world religions. And... Do you know that the God you serve is the only God that offers the opportunity to have a communication with him? So that makes him the best. Right? He's the only God that offers an opportunity to connect with him with a conversation, and we don't do it. It's the God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, the one by which every speck of matter that has ever existed was created, and we don't have time to talk to him. When I say it like that, it just sounds silly, doesn't it? But how many of you, and don't raise your hand because I've said it too. Well, I would, but I, I'm just so busy i talk to Jesus, but i just... I'd have a devotion, but it's, I'm just so... I'm so busy. Wow. Listen to your Savior say these words. Come with me. By yourself. To a quiet place. And rest. See, that to me, that's really what prayer is supposed to be. You know, we have all of these formulas for prayer and and they're all valid, and I've taught them and I will teach them again. But here's what it really is. It's when you go away by yourself with your Savior and rest and talk and love. And, and listen, you don't you don't need a a formula to talk to your Savior. I've I've heard many of you complain. You're good at it. Just talk to him. He said, Cast your cares on me because I care for you. That stuff that you're, that you're nervous about, that stuff that you're anxious about, be anxious for nothing, Philippians says. But by prayer and supplication, present your request to God. And here's what happens the peace of God that transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. But that's where it starts, is with prayer. You don't have to be anxious. Because you can talk to the God of the universe and he's quite well to do something about whatever you're walking through. Man, I would challenge you today. Whatever you walk in this building with that's causing you to be anxious, hear those words. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, present your request to God and then the peace of God. How many could use a little peace? And then the peace of God. That's Philippians chapter 4, by the way. You ought to read that today. So the first thing is prayer. The second way intimacy is birth. and this is going to, you, 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 you may or may not agree with this, is when it are acts of kindness and compassion. Do you know what Christ, the New Testament tells us to be? The New Testament tells us to be a representative of Christ in our world. And I talk to enough people who aren't believers to know this. They think if you're a Christian, you're probably mean. Uh, uh, Make it your personal mission to turn that tide. Open a door for somebody, smile at somebody. I I did this experiment for a class I was in, and it was a little creepy. I think I told you all about this. or I just went to the grocery store and I smiled at everybody I saw. I, I'm just gonna. I'm. I'm pretty sure somebody called the law. <laughs> but you know what most people did? Smiled back. You know why? Because people are hungry for just a little love and a little compassion. And if you can do that in the name of Jesus, I, I don't want to get over spiritual with you, but I believe if the Holy Spirit lives in my life. That I can smile at you and it get all over you. I believe God can use that smile as a way to draw you to Himself. I, I shouldn't have to say this, but you know, what we as Christians, you know what we need to be? We need to learn how to be nice. And I said that with a southern drawl on purpose. We ought to learn how to be nice people. All right, we're not going to spend any more time on that. Prayer, acts of kindness and compassion. No, you're going to like this one. Stillness. Oh, listen, y'all. I want you to. We're not a huge church, and I know a lot of you. And I know the schedules you keep. And I know, and I get it. And mine's pretty crazy, too. But I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to plead with you. Man, you gotta find time in your week to be still. The psalmist said it like this Be still and know that I am God. Moms, new moms especially, find a way to be still. I I just don't have time. I'm telling you, you gotta find time to be still. Because I'm, I'm telling you, the Savior's calling you today. Come away with me to a quiet place and rest. Dad, you're, I'm a provider. Yes, I know. i got to take care of my family. Yes, I know. You have got to take care of you. The best way to take care of you is to guard your relationship with your Savior. And you'll do that in a quiet place. Be still. Just long enough to hear His voice. With prayer, with, action, conti- with kindness and compassion, with stillness, and this one won't surprise you, with your scripture. Open your Bible. Uh, every time we talk about this, I go on a, a diatribe about how God spent 1,500 years, 40 different men and women, put it together together as a love letter to you, but I genuinely believe that. That that book has stood the test of time. Just kind of look at me for a minute. Because I want you to see the conviction in my face when I get ready to say what I'm going to say. I don't care what you're walking through. I don't care what sickness. I don't care what family issue you're walking through. I, I don't, and, and by when I say I don't care, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm not compassionate toward that. I'm saying that regardless of what you're walking through in your life, with your family, with your health, with your body, with your job, with your career, whatever you're walking through, you will find a source of strength and direction in the pages of that book. And oh, by the way, what greater way can we worship God by saying, I want to hear what you have to say. What greater way can we show his worth by saying, I I know you spent a lot of of effort putting this together, and I know it's for me, and I'm going to open it, and I'm going to spend time in it. Come with me me to a, a quiet place and find rest. And how many know that you'll find rest for your soul in the pages of that book? And lastly, I think intimacy is birth not just in prayer, not just in acts of kindness and compassion, not just in stillness, not just in scripture, but when I share my faith. Do you know, you know the greatest way? The greatest way for you to show Christ what he's worth in your life is for you to tell somebody else what Christ is worth in your life. If he's just a thing, if he's just something on your list, you probably won't talk about him so much. But if he's everything, if he's everything to you, you won't be able to shut up about him. If he's everything to you, then he'll come up in a conversation from time to time. And oh, by the way, there's something, there's something, and I, I wish I could tell you how it happens Theologically and biologically and anatomically and all that other topically. But when I give it away, my faith grows. When I share it, when I... There there are no times when I feel as powerful about my faith as when I'm giving it away. So, So what if, what if, what if... What if we do those, those five things? What if we make prayer a priority? What if, what if we make acts of kindness in the name of Christ a priority? What if we make stillness throughout the week with God a priority? What if we make scripture a priority? What if we make sharing my faith a priority? I hear you. You're like, I'm not really excited about doing any of that. I know. I know. That's why we got apps, right? That's, remember, uh, so if, if our worship in private is when we're the bride of Christ, let's, let's carry this analogy just one step further and then we'll be done. I've, I've talked to couples that didn't like each other so much anymore. And, and my first instruction to them is usually... Met with great resistance. Because I tell them to do two things. I tell them to to pray together out loud. And they're... I don't don't think we can do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And then I tell them to go on a date. I don't want to spend ten minutes with him. Much less a whole evening. Right? Some of y'all been there. Don't nod your head. But there's something... Unique that happens when that discipline becomes a regular part of your life. It, if you start praying with your spouse, guess what? You'll want to pray with your spouse. And oh, by the way, if, if you'll make that date night a priority, Friday night will come around. I wonder where we're going. I know where we're going. We're going to Casino Fuentes and Home Depot. <laughs> Welcome to the life Date night. That's what we do. But guess what? Guess what happens about 2 o'clock on Friday afternoon? I'm like, man, I can't wait. That's not discipline. You know what that is? That's desire. Listen, discipline gives birth to desire. So if you don't feel like it, do it anyway. And before long, guess what? You won't be able to leave your house without opening your Bible. You won't be able to start your day without talking to Jesus. You'll miss those quiet times. Because if you'll do it as a discipline, it'll become a desire. I promise you it will. You ought to write that down too. That's, you don't have a blank for it. Discipline gives birth to desire. Because it will. Are there times when you've got to do it even when you don't feel like it? Absolutely. But I'm going to promise you, if you'll make it an active part of your intimate time, if you'll put Christ. And, and that, that's really the whole sermon. It's he's got, he's got to be before all things. Right. Yeah. He's got to be before all things. And that happens outside of this room, y'all. Right. Donna, come and, and let's... let's uh, I, I've, been, I've been asking the Lord how to, how to finish this service because I, I had this unbelievable feeling in my heart, in my soul. That, that when I started talking to some folks today about coming away with Jesus to a quiet place, that that was just going to resonate with somebody. And that the idea, Donna's thinking about it, the idea of having this hope in, in the middle of hopelessness, that that was going to resonate with somebody. So here's, here's what I want to do. Here's what's beautiful. Is this, this quiet place? Even though it's not reserved for this building, how many know you can find a quiet place of worship right here with everybody here? And so here's, here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to offer you an opportunity today to hear your Savior say these words. Come away with me. To a quiet place and rest. Come away with me by yourself to a quiet place. I want you to hear your Savior say that to you today. And I, I, I know a lot of you we we like we like loud. I too, man, I like it when it's loud. But today, I want you to find a quiet place. And, and for some of you, over the next few moments, that's going to be. Sitting right in your seat with your head bowed. Some of you may be in a place where you want to kneel around this altar, and I want you to know that that's, that's beautiful, and we'll pray with you. And then I, I just want you to take just a just, just a moment and find that quiet place. Whatever it is that is, is causing you to feel hopeless, wherever that anxiety is, whatever that is, I want you to cast it on on Christ because he cares for you. Well, Duane, it's been a long time since I've prayed. It's not been a long time since you've talked. Just talk to Jesus, y'all. We've made it so complicated. Some of you are going to talk to Jesus about your schedule. Some of you are going to talk to him about your family. And I'm going to tell you that if you will put him first, he'll hold all things together. Don's going to sing. I'm just going to invite you to take just the next few moments. And just come away with Jesus to a quiet place. Talk to Him.